0: Hi everybody. This is Parents P aka the Reb. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't got your prizes yet, hold on. There'll be something coming to you for those who were thoughtful enough to call in and uh get your uh Pizza Gelp as we call it. And that should be coming to you that in a Business shop, Hopefully this week, please be on the lookout for it. Uh some people did not leave their contact address, but uh, those who did, please look forward to getting your uh your prizes, or your uh, money for the prizes this week, and let us know when you do get it. This is Parents B, a.k.a. the Reb, the Reb with a cause, and the cause is you. And that means being a rebel, I guess. But we uh, usually look at that as being a negative term. In this sense, it's positive, because we're talking about being a rebel against the society without meaning, values, and purpose. A person who thinks about what their life is about, how short period of time we're here, even in its very longest, life is a limited-time offer. So every one of us wants to make ourselves an MPP, the most valuable player in our lives, because we're the only ones who can really institute any type of change. We all know that if you make a, an effort to do something, for the Shem Self, you get that siat, to do it. In the moment, let nothing that stands before a person's will. But you have to want to make a difference, or at least want. one person says, I'm happy the way I am. So then you're just stuck in a rut and content with that, just uh, if it would, pardon the analogy, kind of like, you know, like uh, a pig in the mud, rolling over and over and over, and I'm happy, wink, wink, the way I am, he says. But nobody in a in a, in a better frame of mind would want to be in that type of situation. So we can all get ourselves out of the mud, of course, that goes without saying that only a cottage can raise, raise us up. But we have to want to be raised up. We have to want to take that step. A person just says, I'm happy the way I am. Don't change me. I don't care. I don't want to know. I'm just, leave it alone. I don't want to know. Like monkey see, right? What was that thing with three three monkeys? Did they have that when you were kids? Three monkeys, hear no evil, see no evil, do no evil. You just don't look. You don't see. You don't hear. So on one hand, that's, that's a very positive thing, you know. Using our ears, not to listen to Russian horror, not looking at things that are us to us, and not saying things which are forbidden. On the other hand, the other hand, somebody who just totally closes their ears, closes their eyes, closes their mind to changing for the better. So that's that's not a good thing. That's not a healthy thing. And a lot of this per- pertains to our perception. One day a guy walks into a, a library he says uh, to the librarian I'd like um, a bottle of coke a hamburger and fries. The librarian looks at him very uh, very skeptically and of course very angrily and she says to him sir this is a library. And he says to her oh I'm sorry please make that a bottle of coke a hamburger and fries. is what he whispers to her. So obviously he didn't get it. He didn't understand what was going on. Aren't we all a little bit like that? Isn't it possible to just totally miss what what the messages that we're, we're supposed to be getting, where the perception that we're, we're uh, we are getting is not not the right perception? Remember, I mentioned that story about a fellow who spends Shabbos, the Sabbath, for the first time with a a, a wonderful family, an observant couple from Shomr family, and he never spent a Shabbos like that before. He comes back tells tell all his, um, his non-affiliated friends, you know, these, these Orthodox Jews, they're really very interesting. Really, it's amazing. On a Friday night, you come and make a kiddush over a beautiful bottle of wine, and then you make a lachayim over some uh, malt bourbon. And then after that, there's so many uh, joyous occasions, silkas in the community, the Shalom Zucker and uh, uh things that are that are just pertaining to the to, 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 to celebrating. Uh shabber and well too. And each one of those they had uh beer and schnapps, great bourbon and scotch and whiskey. It was amazing. And then the next day they after they have they make a huge kiddush and also out with the schnapps and the wine again and uh, then more simkers a barn mitzvah and a shabberbrokers and, uh, and, and a and a brisk. It was fantastic. Each one there was, you know, a a lot of schnapps there. And then, of course, at the end of the Sabbath, the end of Shabbos, they make Abdullah over a glass of wine, over a cup of wine. So now, he says, I understand why they can drive on Shabbos, but why can't they turn on a light? Obviously, he missed the whole purpose of Shabbos. And obviously, any thinking, committed person knows that you don't overindulge in drinking on Shabbos. They're there to lift one's spirits and to make a lachaim. But you don't see people getting shaker and drunk at any of those occasions. I, mean, I certainly hope not and certainly shouldn't. But that's not the point of what Shabbos is, is. It. There was a story about the Shemitah year, during the time of the Chazanish, where it was known and documented and recorded that there were locusts that came and swarmed all over the land of Israel. And they, they attacked Kibbutzim and moshavim where things were grown virtually destroying, destroying all the crops that had been grown and cultivated on the Shemitah year. Except, except, and this was remarkable and open base. When they came to the observant kibbutzim and moshavim where Shemitah was observed and the land life fallow, well, even though there were crops that could have been devastated there, the locusts made a pronounced, and very clear turn away from those kibbutzim. Now, how do you attribute that to anything other than an open-nace? But you know what? Somebody from one of the secular friday said, ah, that goes to show you that even the locusts hate the religious. That's for sure. It's so bent out of shape. Just like the 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 person I told you with the story of the grove, the Bill Lagoon, where, um, Mendelssohn, who was the founder of the Reform Movement, said, Oh, now he understood why the Groh was able to identify a certain stone. That uh, because it was made out of sapphire, it dissipated the water. And the rock had that attribute. So now he said he understood why Moshe Rubin was able to split the Yamsu. Of course, the Matha, the sapphire he had, was made out of sapphire, which was ridiculous. The Groh said, That's what clear is. That's not the right perception. First of all, the Matha was never put in the water. And two, it may have had those properties, but. Those were properties Hashem gave it. That was not what split the Yom A Kurdish Baruch split the Yom Suf. So somebody can totally miss the boat, as it were, by, by just looking at things through messed up lenses or through not under, understanding the situation in its entirety through an entirely different context. As a friend of mine told me the other day, uh, a 90-year-old couple went to a, uh, to a mediator where the, the, the wife was in a nursing home complaining. She said, my husband is always pushing me around, and he's talking behind my back. The nursing home administrator and the husband looked at each other, and the husband said, my dearest wife, you're in a wheelchair. Think about that for a second. Pushing her around, she was in a wheelchair, so he was pushing her. And speaking behind her back, the only way that he could talk to her, his dearest wife, was when he was pushing her from behind. So, yes, you could say he was pushing her around in the wheelchair and talking behind her back so that she could hear him. But if you would have heard those remarks out of context, you would get an entirely different picture, right? So we have to take things in the right context and make sure that we perceive things in the right way. And, of course, the only way to do that is by having a good outlook on life. So have you ever been in a situation where you were misperceived, and something that you did was totally misconstrued? Or did you ever misconstrue something that somebody else did or said and then realized later that you were wrong? You can share that with me at 718-683-5858, So now we're coming out of the wonderful yontif of Shulis. As Rabbi Huttner thought said, we're never just leaving one Yontem. We're preparing ourselves for the next, and as we know, in these summer months, we hope that Mashiach is going to be here long before the 17th of Tammuz long before Tisha B'Av. But in previous years, and until Mashiach comes, those days are fast days. And they had over the three weeks. We also know that while there are times of, of mourning and times of tragedy, nonetheless, we have to keep our spirits up and be besimka even in those days in those times, and a lot of that has to do with the way we perceive life. Yesterday, I came from a shiva house, and um, I'm going to go into that story at another point. We, made a, we were in Menachemovil, uh, an elderly man, although I guess today, 85, is really not even that elderly. But nonetheless, we we went to Sorry, and this was a fellow, this is a story I'm going to say for another time, I want to make another point about this, about what you have to take out of a situation, to rechazate yourself, to strengthen yourself and realize that you have to be upbeat. This, uh, this, this fellow is Neftar on Shabbos, and he came from a, a non-observant Jewish family. But at the age of 16, he was given a tremendous essay and a challenge. He was a talented musician, played the saxophone, and he was offered a position with a well-known orchestra and band. problem was that he would have to play on Shabbos. However, the offer came during the summer months, and his first gig, as it were, his first job was on a Mozi Shabbos, and um, Shabbos was out about 9 o'clock, and they were starting at 8.30. So what he did was, he would come a half hour late and then uh, join the band. But he seemed to have a problem with that. Of course, the winter months were going to make it much more difficult, in fact, impossible. And he said, you know, it's really not honest for me to be coming a half hour late, you know, sneaking in like that. And he said, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I want to start keeping Shabbos. And he did. And he gave up the saxophone. Uh, we, I said I wasn't going to tell you the story, but <laughs> I, let me let me just finish it off, and I'll get to the other point about what what happened after we left um, the shiva house, which was to continue on that on that in that story. This fellow went on to go into the army, and it was the time of the Korean War, and there was a very fierce fierce battling going on on the uh, on the on the battle front, and he um, he was supposed to be sent over. For, some reason that nobody knew about, one of the officers said, Well, we need people in a band. We need an army band here. Um, we have a lot of occasions here. Does so anybody know how to play a musical instrument? So this fellow stood up. His name was Mr. Lou Burak, Sacred Sonic, LeBronco, or Shellin. And um, I, yeah, I can say that because somebody who was more significant of Shabbos, certainly at Sonic, and, uh, the Sadaka that he gave to help Bismarck's Gabala certainly characterized them as one where nobody else. It was willing to stand up at a, at a certain time. Meanwhile, he, uh, he volunteered, and they sent him back to get a saxophone. He said, look, I haven't played in about eight years. They said, that's okay, let's see what you can play, and they were very happy with him. And it turns out that one of the units that was sent over was caught in a fierce battle with a lot of casualties, and he was saved by virtue of the fact that he had kept Shabbos and um, had not played on Shabbos and given up the saxophone, and now that saxophone that he gave up on Shabbos was coming back to play a melody of hope for him and give him long, long life. And uh, well, the reason I told you that is because I, I just felt it was so important because this fellow had was nifted this past Shabbos, which is another another aspect of it that dying on Shabbos, being different Shabbos, is a tremendous kus. All those years later, I mean, 70-some-odd years later, the Shabbos came to greet him on the day that he was broke. At any rate, that, that's something to think about. But When we left the Shiva house, a friend of mine who had been there was telling me something over and he was talking about um, what type of person the seller was and how a person has to make themselves. And then I, I stopped myself in, in my tracks because I realized the person I was talking to he was telling me over a story about something that happened to a he mentioned the name of a family and I said, "Wait a second isn't, isn't that one of your sons in- law yes what happened was that a two and a half, two and a half year old child had been sick and tragically was nifted just a day or two ago in lakewood and I was astonished because this person was so strong and, and such um, what can I say, I don't want to say any good spirits, but he was he was going to a khazak, somebody else, to give them strength. And he told me when a person realizes that everything comes from the Abundish level. everything comes from the Avishta. and he realized that, he said then, even something like that will not throw you and pull you down. Yes, you mourn and you cry and you weep, but you also realize that it's for a reason. And he told me that, uh, and this was something I, I was not aware of, that there were, um, was a gathering in Basement, Skibola, and this is something that everybody has to know about because it affects Brooklyn. It affects Lakewood. It affects Eretz Israel. It affects Colleen Israel. When something happens to one person, everybody has to look at it. It affects them because there's a message for each of us there. He said that there was a gathering in Asifa. There must have been multiple tragedies that have happened over the past week we need to be mindful and aware of that, and renew our own strength and commitment to a moon and Batachem and Qadosh Baruch and strengthen our lima tora, strengthen our gemiletz chasadim, strengthen our mitzvahs, help other people to learn, reach out to them. Well, I don't have to remind you that today, this week, and um, say it might even be the day of the Orsight, when those three youngsters were killed, murdered tragically near Israel, and those families are reminding us that their their deaths should not go unremembered, and the 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 lions that they could have led as a toerah has to be something which is carried on by us to invigorate, reinvigorate ourselves, and to pass that message on to other people as well. So let's give it everything we got. This is this is um, the A.K. the A.K. the Reb. Whatever you call me is fine with me. If you want to call me and just talk about anything that's on your mind, anything that we're talking about, we're here at 718-683-5858. I'd love to hear from you, 718-683-5858. But what I want to ask you, keep up your enthusiasm. The outside affects the inside. If you'll be enthusiastic, if you'll be enthusiastic, you'll be motivated. Be enthused. Be enthused about everything that you do. Don't just step along with your mitzvahs or with your or with your davening or the way you're uh, you're dealing with your, your fellow human being. Be enthused. and Never be down just because something isn't going your way. A kaddish bracha can change that in a heartbeat and in an instant and make things great for you. You know, life is a, is a cycle. As a good a friend and, and rabbi of mine, Rabbi Eliyaz opter from Lake of saying today. Life. Light has its ups and downs, and I remember something that the pittsburgh Pittsburgh had told us an amazing story and you 'll probably relate to this it was a, it was a fellow that was very wealthy and he was on his way to go to one of those fairs in europe and This was many, many years ago there was no no cars or uh, buses or trains or airplanes. it was just coaches and horses and walking by foot and He went with his uh, with his rabbi with his assistant assistant. And they were going to go to this fair when they stopped off at a certain town and an enormous tornado came and swept them up and away. And when they landed, they they were glad to be alive. But the bank, the satchel, that contained all the cash, all the money that they were going to transact their goods and services and make those purchases with, they were gone. Nowhere to be seen, nowhere to be found. Well, the man was obviously now aware of the fact that he was not going to be able to go to that fair and make any purchases. It was a cash cash transaction that he was going to be involved in, not credit, could not buy anything. So he turned to his assistant and said, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to continue. And quite frankly, I'm going to have to let you go. Um, I'll pay you whatever you owe, but I have virtually no money to make the transactions and barely enough money to get back on my own, but I'm going to have to you know, just send you on your way. So that that was certainly a devastating blow to this fellow. And you know, they went their ways, and they pointed. Now this fellow who was the formerly wealthy person was reduced to poverty, and he had to now go and go from place to place, asking people for support. And anybody who's ever been in that position knows, knows that it's very, very humbling. To put it mildly, that's exactly what he did. He went from place to place, from town to town, and asked for help to get him back on his feet. But he was living from hand to mouth, from person to person. This one town he came to where there was a Gvir who was known to be particularly hospitable. Somebody who took in everybody and let it be known that anybody who needed a place would come to him, they would get food, shelter, clothing, and money to help them get through whatever it is that they needed. So he came to this town. He comes to this place, and um, there's an enormous suitor that's being taken place. And uh, the, the gvir is aware that this fellow is coming and notices that he's not at the suitor that he's making for everybody. So he sends out his own personal gaba and says, please go and find this fellow. Maybe he got lost. Find out why he didn't show up. So the, um, the assistant goes out. Searching the town, and then he comes to the to the mirchats, mirchats, to, to the micro. and he hears singing inside and dancing, and goes inside, and to his amazement, there's this fellow singing uh, a later a lively niggan, and uh, wrapped only in a towel, he's he's singing, and he's as as though he's almost dancing. He says, "Are you out of your mind?" He says. The Gvir is waiting for you to come. has other people, and he knows you're not there. Well, please, what on earth do you get? Get, please, just, I'll get you clothing. Uh, you know, obviously, you're just, I, you can't go in a towel. I'll, I'll get you whatever you need. And that's what he does when he goes to the Gvir's house. Sits down, has a beautiful suitor. And then he has a personal one-on-one with the Gvir. And the Gvir looks at him intently and says, you don't remember me, do you? And the, the fellow says, "No, no, I, I don't not at all." Said, "I was your gavai all those years ago when we went to the fair and the tornado, through tornado, blew all, all 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 your money away." Well, what can what 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 could you imagine happened with that? What could you imagine happened with happen that? Well. The clear looked at the man and said, "I'm going to replace your money. I'm going to give you everything that you need to get back on it." Um, now I'm going to leave. I left out a very, very important part of the story. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> this is classic. Okay, let's rewind that just for a second. Okay, you, we're, we're and then the last part of our happen this adventure. I'm, they, are you still with me? Hold on, okay. Before, before the gvir fired the, uh, the the assistant. Right. Let's go back to where they were when they um, were in the tornado. They come back to the place where they had originated, where the tornado had blown them away from. Never expecting to find the satchel there. The re- what do you call it, the rechul satchel? And sure enough, there it was. Okay, now this. Remember, we're going back, right? When when they uh, they had been in the tornado, and lo and behold, the um, the satchel was still there. Not only was it still there, but all the money was still in it. And that's when the Gavir fired his assistant. Okay, that make that let's make sure we got that straight. So they were in the tornado. The satchel got blown away. They came back never expecting to find it, and there it was with all the money intact. And then the Gvir fires his assistant. Okay, so now they're back in this contemporary setting with the roles reversed. Now this fellow who was a former Gvir, who was reduced to poverty, is now in the home of his former assistant, who was now a Gvir in his own right. And he reveals his presence to him. And he asked him, he said, Look, why did you have to fire me? I had two questions. for why, why, did you, uh, why did you fire me? And what on earth were you doing singing and, and being in a, in a mood of a celebration in the mikvah when I was expecting you here and I wanted to give you something? So the fellow told him like this, and this is really the point. He said, when we returned after having been blown away literally by the tornado, and we found the satchel, where it was, in its place, and the money was untouched. Nobody took it, and the, the tornado hadn't blown it away. And there it was, right back where we started. I thought to myself like this. It's a gal Life is a go A person has their ups, and a person has their downs. And I knew, when I found the satchel with the money, that I had reached the high point of where I could be, in terms of, of gosh me yes. And I also knew that when a person reaches that high point, it's very possible that in the Messiah Hashem will then bring the person down to a low point. So I didn't want you to have to go through that. Therefore, I released you so you'd be able to go on your own because I knew that's what was going to happen. And truthfully, he said he lost all of that money in bad transactions after that. And he was reduced to this poverty-stricken state. Okay, so with me, so now the The current creator asks, and he says, but why were you dancing in in, in the bathhouse? I don't understand. He says, because when I was in that bathhouse, I came out, all my clothing and whatever fruit I still had left were gone. I had nothing except that towel. And when I realized that, I realized and understood that I had reached my lowest point, and that for sure, Kaddish Barakul would raise me up. And here... I come to you, and you're willing to give me everything back again. Surely, I had a reason to be the Simcha, as I do now, and I thank you for that. So you see, you see, my dear friends, never, never be depressed, never be dismayed. Oh, you don't think that's going to happen to you? you don't think it's going to happen. Oh, indeed, it will. And that's not me telling you that. That's that's what our is telling us. That the person has to realize that life is a galgal. It's a wheel that goes around. It may be your lowest point, but don't think so, because that is just the point where you're going to be your highest point. You have to know, as, the, um, as I believe it's the, I, I, not the B'nai so Yassar, he comments on, uh, on something that I wanted to tell you about. It was, and not, not the Um I have to go, oh yes, the yucker, the yucker. The Clay Ucker says at the end of Parsha Smalls, and I want you to go and look at this. We talked about it, but I want you to look at it. He says that when Moshe Rabbeinu goes to Paro, when Moshe Rabbeinu goes and says, let my people go, and Paro says, I'm not letting you go, I'm going to make you work harder, and you have to get uh, the bricks without straw. So then everybody complains and cries out bitterly to him. Moshe goes to the Kodesh Baruch Hu, and says, Hashem, you told us you're taking us out of Egypt, you're taking us, you're re- uh, re- redeem us from its riot, but now it's gotten worse. And the Kodesh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, now you're going to see what I'm going to do. And uh, the clay says, and it's an amazing thing, you should look it up, it's at the end of Parshishmos. He says right there, right there in that, that in light, that that which is about to expire, that which is about to end, Fights the hardest. And he gives a, a, new, a number of examples. One of them is that the cold becomes the coldest point in the year just before it's about to turn into spring. The hottest part of the summer is just before the seasons are about to change and becomes cooler. So, the a somebody that's about to die will often sit up and look great, like they're about burst forth into life. In fact, when we were at this Shiva house, when we were in Akuma, they said that. The father of Lashon looked great just before he was gone. They didn't think that was going to happen. I saw it with my own mother-in-law, Lashon. She looked wonderful the day before, radiant, asking for something to eat, then gone the next day. And that's exactly what the Clay Archer says happens. And then with the candle, it's about to burst into flame. It looks like it's going to burst into flame. It flickers, but it's going to die. Or a woman in later. Every woman knows, and every husband knows, that the hardest part, certainly for the woman, is... The pangs of birth, as she's in labor, the whole nine months are relatively, comparatively, painless compared to what she goes through then, and says the Koyotka, that's what it's like with our lives, as it was in Mitzrayim. Hashem had the gulu prepared just hold on a little bit longer and each of us has to know we just have to hold on it looks like it's the deepest and the darkest the Kovachim says Chazor over repeat this to yourself I want you to take this with you today there was so in the next instant there was a radiating light and I want you to know something I'm telling this to myself as much as I am telling it to you if you know, I hadn't haven't been there and experienced this and seen it in my own personal life I wouldn't be telling it to you and we'll all see it. You know what? I want us to share these stories with each other. When you feel that you're very low, or if you felt at the point where you were low, and you saw at a later point, no matter what point it was, that Hashem rescued and pulled you out, I want you to share that with us. Or if you're feeling you're going through it now, so let's walk it through. So you can have the chizit to go through until Hashem pulls you up and out, as He will each and every one of us, both in the Kral, Kral Yisrael, as we approach the uh, three weeks coming up, much sooner than you think. No matter what situation you're in, you want to share that. Let's you know. Let's talk about it. See how we can walk and talk our way into uh, a greater sense of awareness and Kṛṣṇa's Bhārata and everything does for us. And one of the things is to learn to keep up your enthusiasm. So if you feel enthusiastic, give me a call at seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. And we'll add you to our uh, our pizza go list, which we hope we'll get out this prices this week. Just for calling in and sharing your thoughts with us, seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. This is the Rev, there it's B, Licensed by the state of awareness to live life to its fullest. You can reach me for uh, for private coaching if at uh, at my email address, which is Media, e-h-l-e-r-media at gmail.com. Ron, right, let's take it away with a little music. We'll be- to learn how to keep up your enthusiasm, you can reach us at
1: 718 Ya,
0: You're back. Yeah, hi. We're still there? Hello? Dialogue. Call me at seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. You'll get a piece of yolk today to call in and uh, comment about anything we're talking about. How do you keep up your enthusiasm? Well, here's one way to do it, and you can look at it in uh, Parshas Baloscha, where it says that Vayas uh, came Aaron. Aaron did so. Rashi comments: This is to the praise of Aaron that he did not change. God's explain that usually when a person sought something new, you notice that feeling very enthusiastic about what you're doing. Oh, it's new. Let's go. Let's do it. Very excited about the, the good they're going to do and feels very, very motivated. Did you ever notice after some time passes, the enthusiasm and excitement just kind of get lost? Well, that was not the case with Aaron Akain. Every time he lit the lamp in the Mishkan, he did so with the on the same reasons, the very same enthusiasm that he did on the first day. You know, there are many projects that people start, and this includes myself, and it's one of the reasons that I really appreciate this particular um, insight. And you start with a lot of enthusiasm, but after doing the same thing over and over, people sometimes think it and kind of give up in the middle in order to. Anything a person needs to master the ability of sustaining, keeping up with enthusiasm. The more enthusiastic one is, the more motivated you're going to be to continue. Now think about that. The more enthusiastic you are, the better that you apply yourself to feeling great about it, the more motivated you're going to be to continue. So we should always focus on the value of what you're doing and view it as if it were the first time. That goes with anything. Rookie is when you're dominating saying, Kriya learning davening. look at it as though it's the first time. Imagine if you did that. Imagine and I'm not saying this is easy. Where you're sitting down to supper with your with your spouse and the kids are either asleep or they're, they're you know, they're they're out and you sit down and you think to yourself, I want to renew relationship and you think maybe I should talk to my spouse and in the pleasant wonderful way that we used to when we were you know were engaged engaged or before we were engaged think about that renew your enthusiasm i mean part of the process of the cycle of, of jewish life is built in inherently made in yavin for renewal right we all understand that that's part of the relationship between a husband and a wife that on, on a on a monthly basis the commitment is the, the, the commitment to renewal is there through the physical separation, but it can be done through mental enthusiasm is what well, which it should be so can you think of anything that that you've been involved in where you were a little less enthusiastic the more time went on, or something they could use a little boost in now and what we can do to to boost enthusiasm so let's talk about that seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight got a few minutes left on the broadcast. I'd like to give away some pizza gel. If you'd like to call in, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Okay, Lisa, I've got a question for you here on our uh, Lessons of the Law, which um, I'm going to take something right out of the uh, wonderful book called Arevna, which is by Rami Zegelwurstein, Shreve Zegelwurstein, Storka, and Esra Schuss, from Rami if I might do this, and... Uh, there's something brought down in next week's portion. There's when you eat from the bread of the land, you shall raise extremely to Hashem, the first portion of your dough, shall we raise this column? Okay. Let's look at the challenge Rabbi Zollerstein poses and tell me what you would do. Okay? On number seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. if you don't get into call, you can send the answer to me at eichlermedia at gmail.com. Here's the situation, okay? Ladies... Listen enough. if you're out there. Men, you should understand this as well. Rubain's wife made collars for Shabbos each week, and in accordance with the, um, the Minag and the ruling of the Ramat, to honor Shabbos with some homemade collars, which also give a woman the chance to fulfill the mitzvah of uh, mafish collars, separating collars from dough. And since they were blessed with a large family, the collars she made weren't really enough for all the Shabbos meals, so they bought additional collars from the local bakery. Now, in truth, Reuben felt that the bakery's collars were actually better tasting than his wife's. of course he wouldn 't tell her that, never never, and by the way, neither should you. He was always careful to honor her feelings by eating only her collars and praising the great taste. They were saying, "Well, I really prefer the bakery, uh, not smart move, and really not a nice thing, and probably a, a luckily wrong thing to do as well, because that's supposed to cause I theworm. still, he had a lovely question for which collars he should recite the bracha of the mozi Now listen to this. When a person plants the two foods of the same Baraka, if all the other matters are equal, he has to recite the Baraka over whichever he enjoys most. Dr. Neshul Making a barucha over the bakery house instead of his wife's might offend her feelings, but according to Halakha, maybe he's required to do so. What do you say? What's what's the right thing to do? What's the halacha? Or are they both the same? Is the halacha and the right thing to do the same thing? I mean, we know we want to do the right thing, Right. What is the right thing to do here? What does the halakha demand of us? Seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. What do you do in the situation? You you know that your wife's collars are precious to her because she baked them specially for you. And they just don't quite taste as good and as soft and as sweet as the ones you get from the bakery. And the halakha says that when you have two foods that um are equal. You have to recite the bracha over whichever one you enjoy most, and you're going to enjoy more the one from the bakery. So what do you do? You court between a a rock and a hard place, or a challah and a bakery place. What are you going to do? Which one do you make the bracha over 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 the bakery challah, or over the wife's challahs? What do you say? Seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight, or you can leave your answer at E I C H L E R Media at gmail.com or you'll just have to wait or look in Rabbi Zilberstein's book or the revnon to find out the answer. This is parents B. A.K.A. The Rev. I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts. If you haven't reached me today you can try it seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. you got an answer to that question which one does does he make the bracha over? And Rabbi Zuberstein advised him to recite the bracha over one of them. And which one did Rabbi Zuberstein advise him to make the bracha over? And does the halakha have the, uh, the... Does the, the halakha take in mind into account a person's feelings? We would think it would, right? And that's kind of a hint. If the halakha would, in fact, take into account a person's feelings, then what do you think would be the the determination here, the halakha determination, as possible by Rabbi Zilberstein? seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight? what do you say? And um, there's an expression in the Shulchan Aruch for the more enjoyable of foods, and that is chaviv, which means beloved. That might also be another hint. Well, you're right. All right, I'll tell you. Rabbi advised him to recite the book of his wife's scholars, since halakha also takes into account her feelings. And the expression, as mentioned, Use the shokanor for the more enjoyable of the foods is chaviv, which means beloved. The same expression is used by Chazal in cautioning us to respect one another's feelings. Chaviv adam man is beloved, and that he was created in the image of Hashem. This is especially true of how one should treat his wife. Sefer Hinnok states that her husband must be his wife, the most precious thing that he has. Men, I can remember that. Women, remember, that's how your husband really does feel about you. And you should feel likewise. You can reach me at Eichler media, eichlermedia, media at gmail.com. And uh, I am available for... Uh, for speaking engagements and private coaching as well to give you a boost or a lift to work through with you things that are going on in your life that may be troubling you. And um, we're, uh, we're really taking that on the road and opening up that practice as well now. So please let your friends know about it. You can give me a call on my, uh, on my line, which is 848 221 to arrange a uh, consultation. Or reach me at Media at gmail. Dot com. And I'll just leave you with this thought. Remember that we always want to spread Torah, and never let opposition stop you from that. And it says, when the Aaron traveled, Moshe said, Arise, Kodesh Baruch and disperse your enemies and those who hate, and you will flee from you. Right? We say that when we take out the Sefer Torah from the Aaron by even so uh, our Rabbi Yosef Ka'in said, he was well, what, he was what he was the guest speaker at the opening of the Yeshiva in Yerushalayim, and he cited this pasuk and said that there's a special reason that it's cited every time we open the Aron when we take out the Sefer Torah, the Sifra Torah. Whenever somebody wants to start some worthwhile Torah institution or project, there are always people who try to stop them. And therefore, when we take out the Torah, we ask a Kurdish Boruch disperse on our enemies of Torah, disperse them, and prevent them from causing trouble. When you realize in advance the difficulties are likely to arise when you try to spread Torah. You won't be taken by surprise. Rather, you will make plans to overcome those difficulties and you'll pray for the Almighty's assistance. Don't allow opposition to prevent you from spreading tighter. Never let them do that. In fact, that's one of the interesting and fascinating things about, uh, about J.Root, is that, uh, we certainly have had uh, had opposition in the past. You don't think it would let them stop stop this group you? No. Onward and upward because we're here to motivate. Motivate, cover the Torah. Sorry, I to didn't hear from you today. You can reach me on my uh, on my listen line eight four eight two two one four six zero five, and you can reach me at media at gmail dot com. Be happy to hear from you. And our coaching uh... sessions will begin in the near future. The is You're welcome to uh... come on board for uh, an initial an initial free consultation. Calling me at eight four eight two two one four six zero five reaching me at E-I-C-H-L-E-R-Media at gmail.com. This is Parents B.A.K. The Reb. I don't claim to know everything. You can't talk to me about anything. Licensed by the state of awareness to live life is a shem to its fullest.
1: Remember, in the words of Hillel, the rest is commentary. Now, go and learn.